Vox Bus. Just allowing the breath to flow when we're experiencing something allows us to move through and to really see the clarity. But if we're holding our breath, we're not getting the fullness. We're being breathed by the situation yeah. or the concern. So our mind is taken from us. So when we recognize that and respond with breath, we're then reclamating or reclaiming our power. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. everybody to this episode how the breath you take can improve your relationships and I have a conversation with Al Bailey who I've known for about 17 years and Al has been a healing practitioner for 29 years he is a licensed massage and bodywork therapist with a practice in both Elizabeth City and Asheville North Carolina he has also studied several healing techniques in Beijing China he is the owner of Breathe About Life, a center of inner healing, focusing on body work, massage, life coaching, breath work, and walking meditation. And in this episode, Al and I have a conversation of the importance of breathing, how noticing and taking healthy deep breaths creates more presence, groundedness, less reaction, and more connection in our relationships. And when Al refers to bringing it back to breath, as he says, he is referring to bringing your breath down into your belly. First having awareness of your breath and then bringing it down and taking a deep breath in your belly. We also talk about easy techniques to decrease anxiety, stress, and the duration of relationship conflicts. All right, and before we get on to the show, I also want to say again, if you would like a relationship question answered on a future podcast, go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on the podcast page, and on the bottom, click the button to leave a voice message. You can also check out the show notes to get to the links. And I'd also like to thank today's sponsor, Gyro Creative out of Detroit, Michigan, owned and operated by friends of mine, Matt and Angela. And Gyro is an identity studio. They design identities to be shared and lived based on truth and beauty. They seek to uncover fundamental truths with their clients about who they are and what they value, transforming them into verbal and visual expressions that incite action, unite community, build culture and inspire change. What the world needs now. Jaro works with a variety of industries and client sizes from entrepreneurs and startups to nonprofits, neighborhood developments, consumer products, and global industry leaders. Check out their website, gyrocreative.com. And you can check out the show notes and click on their hyperlink. Okay, everybody. Mmm, take a nice breath. Hope you enjoy this episode. How the breath you take can improve. 
your relationships. All right, brother. Yeah. Thanks for coming out all the way out on this nice drive on a Sunday to do this podcast with me. I really appreciate it. It's a joy to be here. It's a great drive. Mm, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful day. And just even looking outside and when we were sitting on the balcony, it was nice to take some deep breaths, mm -hmm. you know, especially with you. And I love the subject that we're going to be talking about, just about the aspects of how how the breath is life, but also how the breath improves and relates to our relationships in many ways, or can be detrimental to our relationships. Yes. And, you know, it was interesting, last week I was with a client and sometimes before I sit down and start therapy with a client, I'll say, hey, let's breathe together for a few minutes. And she walked in a little bit late and she kind of had a little bit of a smile on her face. And when we sat down, I said, why don't we breathe for a few minutes? And we started breathing for a few minutes and, and all of a sudden she started to cry. And when she came out of that, she went right into a, a challenging aspect of, of her life. That wouldn't happen mm -hmm. if we didn't take the breath. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why do you think that comes up for people when they, when they get uh, focused on their breath that some of their authenticity and their trueness comes out? The reason why she probably started crying is that the breathing took the pressure off of the memories associated with what was behind those tears. And she felt more free and more authentic and true to herself that she could express that. And it might've been something to do with the drive in that made her late, that she was in her mind about something from the past that's also connected with that memory mm -hmm. that triggered. And the breathing allowed it to be released it's okay, you know. Yeah, that it's okay. That it just doesn't mean that when we breathe, we're going to just calm down. It also means that it's going to release what's there. And the tears are that expression. Yes, yes. The tears are the expression which takes the pressure off the heart. And the heart can open. And more can be shared from that, that situation or that moment when there's no pressure. And the it, breath relieves the pressure. And that session end up to be really transformational because of that. Yes, very powerful. That trueness comes out. I know when I tell people, one of the best things that you can do in a conversation is take a breath before you respond. Yes. I know when somebody says to me, people, how are you? I say, fine. And then if they say, how are you? And I take a deep breath, I can say, uh, you know, I feel a little uneasy, uh, a little nervous about a situation right now, and but I'm looking forward to the challenge. Boom, a whole different response when I take the breath. You focusing on a lot of your work that you do is really focusing on, on the breath. How have you seen people shift and change, especially in their relationships, their relationship to themselves or their relationship to other people in their lives when they're focusing on different aspects of, let's say, healthier breathing? Mm -hmm. I'll take one example. I've worked with this young lady for a while and she was having some marital stuff and she came to me and we talked and shared. And then she started practicing the breath before responding as a response to go into breath first and listen and be present. And she saw her husband shift because of that. And the relationship just started to grow and change and bond. And they started to see the challenges as just growing pains rather than things that were capable of 
destroying the relationship. Her son would even pick up on it, and he caught her once stressing out over something, and he reminded her. He pulled his arms up and said, Mommy, breathe. Five years old. And she just started crying. That's just one example. It brings about a clarity when we go into breath right away when challenged or feel uneasy. You get clear. And then you can see how to respond and not cause more friction in that moment or stagnation or distraction. And the other person can hear you better. You can hear them better. It's like there's there's nothing breaking that at one minute that's in that moment, that connection. And things that are not relevant, they just seem small. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening physically when, you know, I tell people a lot of times when the blood flow is in the limbic system, when we're hijacked in that flight fight response, we have less choices. Mm -hmm. We have more irritation. Our, of course, our breathing is really shallow. So our voice takes a different connotation and there's anger and agitation. From a physiological standpoint, it's it's amazing when the body knows what it needs to do in order to work optimal. But I know for myself, if I'm in that phase of being irritated and anger, coming back to the breath and taking deep breaths and, and a longer exhalation really brings me back into, I have much more choices, much more uh, access to my higher self, my higher cognition. Mm -hmm. The mind can't roam when you're when it's on the breath. It belongs to you. It's your mind, not the situation, not the concern, the person or place that's in that moment. It's your mind. So bringing the mind back to breath, it maintains the focus that you've already cultivated from previous experiences of practicing coming back to breath. The more we come back to breath and allow it to be our guide and focal point of reference, the more clarity we we build inside of ourselves and being more assured so that there's nothing distracting, like you said, the true authentic self in that moment from being shared. Hmm. So when people are, are bringing up the past and they're in their past circumstances and past trauma, I'm imagining then that breathing pattern then oh, repeats yeah. what's happening in the past. Yes, yes. Yeah. So the fight, flight, freeze, and play dead, I say breathe instead. <laughs> and they remember that. It's very easy to remember because we're, we're all faced with that. And we're bombarded with distractions all the time. And we forget to breathe. Right. And then we get in our head and start figuring. And that's the, the body starts to release negative you know, stressful hormones in, in within itself causing another layer of something we have to deal with later because we re react it rather than respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in my office, when couples are bringing up past conflicts and past fights, their breathing pattern is actually repeating what their experience was when they're talking about the fights. Yeah. And so they're in that loop and mm -hmm. that's why it's very hard for them to also get out of that loop. Mm -hmm. So if they would change their breath in talking about mm -hmm. the past conflict, then that conflict can shift? Yes, it wow. can shift because the body remembers more than the mind can know and knows more than the mind can remember. So 
when we have these memories and we don't understand them and we breathe about them rather than think about them, they become resolved or they start to unwind. Mm -hmm. When we focus on breath, mainly one major thing that happens is that the tension around the brainstem starts to release just from the breathing. And the throat areas where we're expressing ourselves from becomes more powerful and open and free because of that release. You know, we hold our memory in the occipital region. So by the breathing and the memory are all connected. So if the negative memories come up and we breathe about them as they come up, we can release ourselves from the grip of that memory. Mm. And the muscles hold memory as well as the brain. You know, we talked previously about on the porch before this, about the in, uh, injuries that we have and the traumas. There's a certain breath pattern happening at that moment of the injury or the trauma. The body remembers that. Right. So the cellular memory, it's locked in the yes, body. Yes. The mm. nerves locked in the joint, mm. any tissue, mm. ligament. So, Al, you started to study about the importance of how we breathe, and that came about in your early 20s after you had a car crash. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, the, um, the beginning of all this started uh, December 29th, 1980, five minutes to seven, 45 degrees outside in the pouring rain. I hydroplaned and lost all control. I saw that. I was going to crash and I held on tightly. And in the holding on, in that moment, everything went into slow motion. And I was wondering, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to die so early? And I guess it wasn't just my physical self dying, it was my old self dying because at the impact of the crash, I saw my light body just splash into millions of pieces and I went, I went blind, it blacked out. And my sight was gone long enough to really appreciate the sight. And in the spinning and in the, the hydroplane, when I hit the tree, is when the, the light just shattered. And I saw an image of a being that spoke to me and said, you have a purpose. Unless you find that purpose, you don't have a life. And that's when we, everything stopped. And in the recovery, I had to watch my breathing when I did everything. When I rolled over in the bed or when I got up and just all the movements, I had to watch my breathing. And I saw how powerful that was and how it was relieving me of the stress of doing what I did. And I kept taking notes and writing and mental notes and sharing the information with a few people. And um, then I was able to integrate it into everything else I was doing. And body work was my next adventure where I was able to really incorporate that in my body work too. And that just, uh, man, the universe just made that happen so that you can. Yeah, I was hard headed. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was a wild child. Mm. And that brought me back into where I needed to be uh, in, the, in the, my, my own personal rhythm and flow. And it was a rebirth. I had to let my old self go. What a story. 
I'm sorry you went through that, but in another sense, I'm really glad that you went through it. So yeah, you I could share all this. Yeah, I tell people it took my life and it gave me life, so I'm okay. Cool. I'm still here. I have a purpose now and happy. <laughs> yes, just allowing the breath to flow when we're experiencing something allows us to move through and just really see the clarity. But if we're holding our breath, we're not getting the fullness. We're being breathed by the situation yeah. or the concern. So our mind is taken from us. So when we recognize that and respond with breath, we're then reclamating or reclaiming our power. Yeah, I love that being breathed. Like I, I say to a lot of times, I'm being breathed. I'm not breathing. Because mm -hmm. if all of a sudden I hold my breath, that sucker's gonna come out. Mm -hmm. uh, so something else is breathing me. Yeah, ask my clients, I'm, I'm, what's breathing you? And they're like, what? It's like, what's breathing you? Hmm. What's causing you to be in your head more than your mind on your breathing? And when you recognize that, return the mind back to breath. And you get to see through this to not just figure, but to feel the emotions that are involved and to be hmm. okay with that so that you can release. You don't have to carry that. Hmm. And that's where the fight, flight, freeze, and play dead comes from. Is that energy that was in motion during the time of the injury or the concern or the situation is lodged cellularly. So that's what people, especially in a, interpersonal relationships, get caught in the loop because if they're playing that old conflict over and over again, they're just reinforcing that pattern yeah. physiologically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In your work, I know when I was doing body work, I wanted to synchronize my breath with my client a lot of times. I was really watching it. And we were working in, in sync together and it became a, just an incredible dance. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you consciously do with people, even in your outside of your work or in your work? Or is that something that you, is part of who you are now? Yes, yes. Yeah. I spend a few minutes with people that are coming in to deal with certain issues that they already know about. We'll talk first and I'll let them know that the session will be in silence unless they want to talk. And I will breathe out loud if I recognize them holding their breath. I want them to then trace what was the thought just before you you recognize you're holding your breath mm. or your shallow breathing. Wow, what yeah. was the thought? Because it's directly related. So when the thought comes again, exhale. So when I exhale out loud sometimes, I see their face go from frown or the clenched jaw to just a smile and very light because I'm breathing with them. Sometimes I know living so close to nature, when I'm breathing, there are times I'm looking at the trees and, and the leaves, and I'm feeling like it's breathing with me. I'm just like, wow, like I'm looking around and there's a rhythm that's happening in Mother Earth. And if I, if I can tap into that power, and there's something about it when I tap into it too, that I feel uh, less fear, I feel trust i feel relaxed and that i don't need to control mm -hmm. i could yeah. sense that here mm. i was telling you when i came down off this short piece of pavement the energy just shift and it was just so calm and so centered and clear and the trees and the insects the bugs and everything it's like they're already where we're trying to be and that's why it's good to be in them and be around that, that nature energy because it brings us back to our natural breathing rhythm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where we find that there's nothing to fear. And so that's one area that I don't think that people utilize enough, but they, but they feel it naturally when we're out in nature. Everybody feels so much better walking around. And a lot of aspects, of course, the trees are putting out that incredible oxygen and so forth. But there's a rhythm that's in union with us. I know one of the things that I tell couples to constantly do is go walk in nature with each other especially after a conflict, go walk in nature and hold hands. You'll see a whole different way that you're going to communicate. Nature holds that Gaia rhythm. And that rhythm is equal to the same rhythm that we're born in. Our original rhythm at birth is unique. And the situations that we encounter throughout life is designed to drive us back to that rhythm. So that's how I can see the problems as solutions. Only when I recognize them and breathe first and not get stuck in my thoughts. And so being in nature helps me to return to that rhythm because nature already has that rhythm. Just being in her gradually will allow me to unwind. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of pressure off the brainstem again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, It's interesting. Like when I watch my cats, how they are just walking around in nature and the way that they're taking those stretching and their breaths and they're great teachers also just in, in breathing, how much I watch their their bodies go up and down. And I don't do that as much with people. And I wish I would do that more with people of just like, you know, instead of tuning into other aspects, I want to tune in a little bit more with like how they're breathing. That could tell me more about where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When my clients come in and they've never done work with me before, I have them stand straight up and take a breath. And I start reading. And they're like, how did you know that? Hmm. I said, well, you hold your breath between sentences or you in your head too much or you overthink things. And they're wondering, how do I know that? I said, well, I'm, I watch you breathe first. And that tells me where you are. I said, if you if your shoulders and everything is just coming up and the shoulders are going up to the neck, I said, you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain because the cats, the animals all breathe from the belly. So that means that their mind lives more in the moment. And that's how we're born breathing from our belly. So we're innocent. We're unadulterated. We haven't had the pressures pushed on us to make us contract the breath yet. So, The animals are great teachers, just being around them. They sense us. They know us more so a lot of times than we know ourselves because they're tuned into that that breath, that moment. They're always in the moment. They don't think about the past Mm -hmm. and future. And that's how they can be our guides to bring us back to the moment. And I love when they come up and they just sit on my belly. They're helping me breathe. It's Mm -hmm. It's almost like they can't tell me, hey, you're not breathing well, but they go ahead and sit on my stomach and they start breathing and I... And I get so much more relaxed. It's amazing how they have that sense. That's why a lot of people have animals. They may not know why, Mm. but I believe that the reason is that the animal is helping them to achieve some things that they need badly. And sometimes it's a dire need, especially if someone with um, breathing or respiratory illness or anxiety, living alone or widowed or, you know, help them stay pr- more present. Uh, let's talk about anxiety, because I know that's a big part of people's 
experience at times in life. And they are told, you know, breathing can be a technique to help anxiety, but I don't know how much they're really focusing on the the advantages of, of that. I know for me, focusing on a longer exhale when I'm breathing, I've learned that it, uh, you know, from a physiological standpoint, it activates the, the vagus nerve in a way which the vagus nerve runs from, from the cranial all the way to the visceral organs, mm-hmm. all the way down. So my whole system is gonna be um, engaged from a parasympathetic nervous system where it's, it's the relaxation part of my nervous system is engaged. Is that true that the longer exhalation helps in that or is it more even breaths? The, long, the longer exhalation is what engages the diaphragm. When we engage in the longer exhalation, that little extra push at the end empties the lung, which causes the diaphragm to contract and really push everything out. What I have people do is to wait until the breath comes back. Don't control or try and manipulate it, but put your mind on the temperature. The temperature. The temperature. Mm -hmm. It's always cool coming in and it's warm going out. That few breaths of just watching the temperature resets everything. Mm. Nothing else is important. The mind can't roam. Is that what you do when you meditate? Are you focusing yes. on some of the temperature? Yes. Ah. That's the most strongest response that I've found so far. And it, did, it didn't just happen. It came through the training and the, the development and the watching and the paying attention that now I can watch the temperature. And I use this for people who really struggle, who really struggle, who who are really trying not to go into the medications and the pharmaceuticals and they want to do this naturally that they watch the temperature. And what it does is it causes the stress or the anxiety to lose its grip on that memory. So you're subconsciously processing this without conversation, but it's your internal dialogue that's happening. The breath is telling your body, I got this, trust me. And when we trust the breath, we get to see more about its power of keeping us present and not distracted. That's a great line, trust your breath. You were telling some stories out there about sports that were so cool about with injuries and how you worked with the breath Mm -hmm. when you played and had some injuries. And I was talking about this unconscious realization that I just had of being a shortstop and actually breathing in the ball as it came into my glove and exhaling it as I threw it out. Mm-hmm. And we do that unconsciously. I'm wondering if, I wonder if I would have made it to the big leagues if I started doing yeah, it unconsciously. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if it had been taught, like you say, why weren't we taught? Right. You know, a lot of times our system is designed that the profits are made on us not knowing certain things. There's too much profit taken away when we become enlightened or when we gain that insight. You know, Mm -hmm. we can't be used the same way. You know, we have more freeness about ourselves, and more choices. Yeah, that's the beauty of it is having more choices. And I know when I'm breathing deeply, I get more choices. I'm activating that prefrontal cortex and 
the rational thought process of more choices all of a sudden pop up. Yes. Yeah. The more choices is is a great thing because often it's not necessary to respond or react at all, but to observe. Right. And when we observe and watch breath as we observe, a lot of people will think that we're taking our mind and avoiding the situation or the concern or the event, but we're not. By breathing upon the recognition, we're feeding more oxygen and fresh blood to the, to the brain so it's able to maintain that focus and clarity that you've already cultivated. So that's why it's so important to practice responding in breath first because when you do you cultivate more clarity more concentration more focus and more balance just from practicing yeah and it is a practice right it is a practice if you practice you got this mm -hmm. and that's one word mm -hmm. you got this <laughs> yeah because it's something that our body already knows and remembers but i guess the body will allow us to go off into these journeys of challenge just to learn because we're always going to come back to breath hmm. unless we go to a point where the habit just overtakes us and now it's breathing us hmm. so we don't have ourself we've given it away that's a time then to find a way to retrieve the self and bring it back to the moment back to breath back to breath is how we do that hmm. so why don't you think more people recognize that when they're let's say in agitation in anger that I remember my grandmother used to say, count to 10, honey, count to 10 and take breaths. I mean, that was one of the most wisest things that anybody ever told me. But mm -hmm. we talked about it on the balcony. It's just so freaking simple that we think that simple doesn't do it, but it is simple. It's simple. But a lot of us, especially the skill of listening, the breath, breathing properly and awareness, we become way better listeners. Mm -hmm. If you're in the woods, alone like up here where you are and it's mm. you know you could probably see anything up here because there's not a whole lot of people and it's just so quiet and you hear something while you're walking on a trail and it's foreign and it brings about a chill or a pay attention moment you pause and you get really quiet your breath is moving so slow and gentle that's how you can hear more mm. is just watching the breath. Mm. We watch the breath. We can hear more. So I'm not taking my mind off of the, the person that I'm talking to, but I'm watching the breath as I listen. That's right. Which allows me to feel them. That's right. Yeah. Also for me, when I'm listening and I'm caught up in my self-talk, the best thing that I can do is take that deep breath because I learned that in the split moment of that breath I can't have a cognizant thought process so it breaks that self-talk and I can come back into intention of interest or curiosity and then maybe 20 seconds later another self-talk another deep breath comes mm -hmm. in yeah. the Taoists refer to it as the monkey mind and um, the mind is going past and future past and future back and forth all the time and if it's not nurturing, when we recognize the mind going off and we need to bring it back, go back to breath, because mind and breath are never separate. Only in our thoughts are they separate. And so just watching breath really hones in on the focus, which brings about more clarity. Hmm. You can't concentrate if you're not focused. And you can't focus if you're not balanced. 
You can't balance if you're not breathing. Mm. So breath gives us balance, allows us to focus. And then what we're focused on, we can concentrate on it also, which brings about the personal clarity. And that was our first relationship we ever had. First relationship is connected to all relationships, is that <gasps> we pulled in all of that at birth. And to understand the self is to work through using the breath. Yeah, and talk a little bit what we were talking about, that that first experience of that breath, how that trauma or experience that we take on throughout our lives. Yeah, the first trauma is birth. We all experienced that. Whether the doctor's hands were too cold, the room was too cool, and the body would contract. I call it a false contraction behavior. And we carry that throughout life. Where the, the, he was handled too roughly or pulled too early, that the body would clam up. And so these things will show up periodically throughout your living. And once we recognize this is going on and we train ourselves or get help in how to respond differently, then that negativity is transformed into something positive because we're responding differently to that rather than reacting. Because we react out of fear, not knowing, anger, uh, frustration, grief. All those things are connected to breath. And by breathing, when we recognize them, we work through them. Rather than get in our head and try and figure out, we breathe about that. When we breathe into the gut area, we're connecting with the energy that's in motion. That's connected to that thought. Energy in motion is emotion. So we're emotional beings and it's nothing wrong with being emotional. It's about choosing the emotions that are nurturing in that time and not just being emotional because we're emotional, right. you know, because yeah. then we've, we've created another layer to work through. Yeah. I, I like to look at it as like feelings just come. I don't control it, but I'm control of how I emote those feelings. Yes. You know, and that's the aspect I think people get really caught up of. I shouldn't act that way. I shouldn't feel that way. No, you should feel the way that you're feeling, but now you have management of how you express that feeling through your emotion, through the energy of emoting it. Yes, it's my responsibility how I respond. So I tell people, no one makes you feel anything unless you allow. So if you're watching your breath, the distractions and the negativity can't really penetrate your being. And we spoke earlier about exhaling upon the recognition. Yeah, say that word again. Exhaling upon the recognition. When we recognize a distraction or an invasion in our energy field and we exhale first, we're identifying with our own frequency, knowing that that which is trying to penetrate is not mine, so it can't get in unless I allow. So we have to be responsible for how we respond. And that determines how we're feeling. So people can't make other people feel unless they allow. And we're always allowing without even knowing that we're allowing this to happen. Says, oh, you made me feel, mm. or she made me feel, or that happened, somebody cut you off at the light. Or they, they run you off on the road, or somebody disrespects you on the highway, they bully you. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. They bring in their stuff from home into the workplace or into the drive, and we're picking up on it because we're not focused. Then we think it's about us, 
I want to give them the bird. We want to cuss them out. I want to roll the window down and give them a piece of our mind. Rather than that, when it happens, you recognize that something just went on. It's negative. You breathe first. Now you're not taking it on. And you're able to do that if you practice, right? If you practice. Because in that moment, we're hijacked and we yes. can't implement some new practice at that moment. We have to do it over and over so it comes in as an unconscious response. Yes, because we're, we're taught at a young age, a lot of us, most of us, you can figure it out. So when things happen, we go in our head right away. We start thinking mm. and thinking becomes overthinking. And that causes the breath to move up in the body. So we're breathing from part of our lung rather than from the base of our lungs. And the lungs can barely get developed. If you experience too much of that trauma at a young age, it's going to interfere with the development of your lungs. The lung capacity becomes very shallow. And you find some people, it affects their voice and have this really high pitched voice because they're not getting enough air down into the lower part of the body. So when the breathing starts to become a practice as a response, the voice can change. Because, you know, if you, I, I learned to sing and my voice coach taught me to sit on the edge of the chair on my sits bones to make the spine erect. And it changes the voice because the air is able to flow more freely up and down. So there's less stress and tension in your voice. So your voice will actually change in maybe a deeper resonance Yes. As you're working more on attaching to the breath. Mm -hmm. Because we speak from our core. We think our voice comes from other places, but it's actually coming from how much oxygen do you have within your lungs and how in tune are you with your diaphragm? So if people are working on that, do you think that they would be able to even express hidden feelings or things that are being pushed down where they felt disempowered. I'm thinking about even in relationships, people that don't speak up, you know, it's an interesting speak up, mm -hmm. we say, right? Mm -hmm. And that's an aspect of bringing that power, that breath up. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because the memory is not just stored in the mind. It's in the heart, it's in the gut. And what I've come to in my conclusion of study so far, it'll change. But for right now, breath is the first mind outside of us all the time. Before we took our first inhalation, it was here. So it's an intelligence and it knows us better than we know ourselves. That's why we're, we're to trust it. The second mind is the heart that developed from the first mind. The heart can't develop without oxygen. And so by it developing, it is the measurer or the detector. It can determine the f and detect the frequencies between each breath. Right. Is By, it the heart rate variance? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It changes according to what we're feeling. That's right. In the gut, mm -hmm. the third mind. When we breathe into the third mind, the gut, the heart is measuring that frequency. Also, breathing into the third mind, the gut, you clear the mind in that moment. You have clarity. Now, if you make that a practice, it changes your frequency. So previous times when you didn't respond that way, it left residue, hmm. layers of linear perceptions. Those start to release the more you respond in breath and breathing into the third mind, into the gut, the emotional center so that the heart can measure that frequency 
and you know your frequency, you know what's not yours. So you can distinguish what's nurturing and what's not and how to respond. You know, I know that when Rainbow and I, we've been making a practice, you know, lately of breathing together. You know, we sit and we breathe together. And when we do that, our conversations afterwards are so in sync. And when I'm thinking about it, what's happening in some sense is that oscillator, that heart oscillator, we are starting to have that that heart rate variance and sinking just through our breathing together. And therefore our communication is going so much better. And that's so interesting when couples come to me and they say, we wanna be able to communicate in order to connect. And I, and I really try to emphasize, it's actually the connection that's so important before you communicate. And now this is another tool that I wanna emphasize in my work around breathing together so that you can communicate better. Because yeah. the, the, the first response from the womb is that relationship with breath. And when we integrate it in other relationships, they become more in tune with what right. is and what's not. With ourselves, if that's our first relationship, then we're in relationship already with ourselves that we can bring that to the relationship. And the distractions break us away from that, which causes the friction between us. And if we rely and go to breath first, then we're able to work through these situations and grow more together because we're already one. We're mm. already together. It's just the distractions and the thoughts and the previous cultural yeah. conditionings has caused us to move away from that oneness. But the breath is always there. Including that aspect when people are going back and forth so fast and the escalation, they're not breathing, mm -mm. right? No. It's all it's real ego. shallow. It's all ego. Mm -hmm. It's all ego. It's just mine, mm -hmm. you know? And when one will just go into silence without responding, it helps the other one to fine tune themselves because it's, again, they're already one, they're already connected. There's no separation. It's just that our thoughts make us think that we're separate, but we're not. Just going back to breath will clarify that. You know, people are, are in emotional pain at times, but they're also in physical pain. We talked earlier about how working with the breath can really help in physical pain. And I'm imagining, of course, that's correlated, of course, emotional pain. We have the same senses of the physical pain when we're in emotional pain. Yes, yes. That emotional pain lodges itself more dominantly in the psoas area. And there's techniques now being taught to open that area up slowly in a way that you can trust what's coming up and process that. Hmm. Even without the conversation, you can process it because behind the pain is nothing but a story. Hmm. I did a thing one time with the class. We used to gather in my office every Sunday just to talk about whatever, all kinds of people. Guy was uh, anthropologist from NYU and one lady was an herbalist and another lady was a molecular biologist from Nigeria. And we had these powerful conversations. One day I did this thing where I had them write down what it is that they thought was holding them from their progressions in life and growing and nurturing and healing. Write it in one sentence and they did it. They put it on a piece of paper. And I waited till they all finished. And I went around with a basket and I collected those notes. And my office is open front glass and there's a garbage outside. So I walked right outside and put them in the garbage and I walk back in 
And they all had this look on their face like, what in the world? What? How, what? And I said, regardless of what you put on that paper, it's just a story. Now what are you going to do about it? And they all nodded and they just, some of them laughed. And they're like, I get it now. I said, yeah, it's just a story. I said, if we are going to talk about it, let's talk about it to heal, hmm. not to fortify it and make it more stiff and more dominant in our thinking patterns. Yeah. Breathe dominant, about in that, it. Dominant in that right and wrong yes. aspect. It causes a holding and gripping inside mm -hmm. because we want to be right rather than heal. And so by breathing about it rather than thinking about it, the process continuates in the healing. I'm just wondering what it would be like, you know, I have couples that almost spend, even when I try to corral them back, they're spending all that aspect of the story of that argument that they had two days ago trying to figure it out. I'm just thinking about what it would be like if all they're doing is just breathing together throughout the session and not talking about that story. And maybe just even naming emotions that are coming up for them but not the story of it, how that might change their system of how they're responding to each other. It would. Mm. So we're talking about aspects of the practice, but what, what easy techniques do you give people throughout the day to remind them to practice and working on uh, healthy breathing? People, I find that uh, if we practice when we're not challenged, we're, rewiring ourselves as to how we will respond when we're challenged. If I'm not challenged and I'm practicing by putting up pinky nail size smiley faces where I look often, one on my cell phone, one on the computer, the dashboard of the car, the light switch as I'm going out of the house or the handle of the refrigerator, you look at it, you practice. And by practicing when you're not challenged, that's allowing your autonomic nervous system to kick in each time that you're challenged rather than you're reacting and getting in your head about things. You go to breath first. Yeah. And by doing that, the practice replaces the old habits that were causing the shallow breathing and the yeah. holding of the breath. Practice, folks. I mean, just, practice. just like I remember we talked about being an athlete, we practiced over and over and over. So when game time comes and the crowd's gone and all that nervousness, you can't think mm -hmm. in that moment. You have to automatically respond. And your body does that because of all the practice mm -hmm. that we did. And to bring it into this aspect of, especially now another level that I have just in talking with you and thinking about your work, of bringing that into the practice of emotional work with people is the breath. Yes. And I can even feel myself breathing differently as we're talking and I'm so <laughs> glad, man, that we bumped into each other, you know, maybe about four or five months ago that we hadn't seen each other in a few years. And uh, we started rapping a little bit and then uh, exchanged about doing a podcast. And I'm so glad that you wanted to come out and do this with me. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking forward to it. So all of you out there have a new, wonderful relationship with your breath. All the power to you. Mm, the first relationship. Yeah. Don't lose that. Yeah, if you baby. do, just remember. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. 
theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today, faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Oxbus. Thank you.